This week on Viewpoints. There was a kid from South Philly, a third floor walk up, and left me standing at midcourt before 10 or 11,000 fans. One man's journey from fighting to play in the NBA to becoming coach of the year. Then. To those kids' parents, that white t-shirt would have been seen as underwear. So for them to wear it out the house sort of by itself would have kind of raised eyebrows, which no doubt they were keen to do. The evolution of the classic white tee. I'm Marty Peterson. And I'm Gary Price. These stories in depth this week on your public affairs magazine, Viewpoints. Imagine buying a pair of sneakers and getting a soothing, gentle foot massage like you'd get during a relaxing pedicure just by walking. You might think this sounds too good to be true, but we think it sounds like Skechers' new Massage Fit sneakers. Because Skechers, the comfort technology company, has designed a unique innovation that makes it feel like you're pampering your feet with a gentle massage in every step. The secret is Skechers' new patented wave technology on the sole that gently massages your feet while you're walking around. It feels amazing and is so gentle you can wear them all day just like your other favorite Skechers sneakers. And not only will you be getting the massage, you'll also be getting Skechers' other famous comfort features, like a special luxury insole that offers extra support for 24-7 comfort. Plus, they come in a variety of fashionable styles, including lace-up and slip-ons, and they're machine washable for easy care. Get a bonus massage in every step with Skechers' new massage fit. Find them for men and women at a Skechers store, Skechers.com, or wherever stylish footwear is sold. The National Basketball Association, or NBA, is a mainstay in American sports. Today, on average, about 3 million fans tune into every game to watch players like LeBron James, Stephen Curry, and Kevin Durant dominate the court. But go back 70 years, and these players wouldn't have been allowed in the league. The NBA was segregated for three years, from 1947 to 1950. In 1950, the NBA drafted Earl Lloyd from West Virginia State College, and then they drafted four of the great players. Bill Russell, Wilt Chamberlain, Oscar Robertson, Elgin Baylor, four African-American men that were very prominent in building the NBA. That's Ray Scott, a former NBA player, coach, and author of The NBA in Black and White. Growing up, Scott thought his dreams of playing professionally would never take shape because of the color of his skin. Back then, black players could only play on teams known as the Black Fives, which were not officially recognized as part of the NBA. For Scott, black players finally getting drafted in 1950 meant that he had a shot to make it to the main stage. And he did. I was drafted in 1961 into the NBA after never even thinking that I would be drafted particularly prominently into the NBA. But even after the NBA desegregated, it took nearly 10 years for black players to have an equal chance at getting recruited. Why the delay? North Carolina, Duke. Alabama, Auburn, all of those schools, African-American kids couldn't attend. So coming through the 60s, that was beginning to happen. And so consequently, the NBA, because it was a league that was constructed of all Americans, kids that made All-American in college or that were prominent in high school and became prominent in college, that was who was drafted into the NBA. Once these universities desegregated, a greater number of black players began to get drafted into the NBA in the 60s. 
While Scott and other athletes were rising up through the sport during this time, it was a different reality for the average black American. That 60s period was so tumultuous because my career as a 16-year-old in high school was paralleled with the murder of Emmett Till in 1955 in Mississippi. And this is simply a young 14-year-old kid that was accused of some dastardly deed. Till's horrific murder acted as a catalyst for the emerging civil rights movement. This key political fight demanded an end to racial segregation and discrimination. While the NBA on paper was desegregated, black athletes still faced these same hurdles. The attitudes present across America bled into the league as black players endured harassment and heckling on and off the court. When playing in southern states, they couldn't eat or stay at the same places as their white teammates. Across the league, there were also rumors of teams having an unofficial quota of four black players per roster. Despite these challenges, Scott continued to push forward in his career. His tenure as a player spanned from 1961 to 1972 as a member of the Detroit Pistons, Baltimore Bullets, and the Virginia Squires. After his retirement, Scott became the head coach of the Pistons and went on to win Coach of the Year in 1974. In fact, he was the first black man ever to be honored with this award. It forced me to take a look back on how I became or how I came to come to such an honor because I was a kid from South Philly, a third floor walk up had left me standing at midcourt before 10 or 11,000 fans at Cobo Hall in Detroit, wondering how I got to this position in my life, how so many people had intervened and helped me and supported me to become a player, to stay out of trouble, to go to school. It just leaves you just standing at midcourt thinking about all these things. And I remember the commissioner, the deputy commissioner, Cy Gordine, asked me if I had any words. And I said, no, because I had to go out and coach right after that against the Chicago Bulls in a playoff series. So I certainly wasn't thinking about how honored and how thrilled I was at that time. Now, off the court and looking back, Scott says that receiving this title was the highlight of his NBA career. The irony is not lost on him that the NBA went from a segregated league to now, almost 80 years later, a landscape in which its highest paid and most prominent players are black. Scott says the league has shown through its actions that it's able to look inwards and change. I think the other leagues, particularly the NFL, because that's our number one sport in the country, can learn some things. I write in the book about Colin Kaepernick and how, you know, he was just blackballed out of football. And I don't even think he has a career left. But we had a kid in the NBA who changed his name and became Mahmoud abdul Ralph. Mahmoud was suspended for not standing for the national anthem. He was brought to the table. Let's talk about this. He was reinstated back into the NBA and had a seven or eight year career because we chose to talk about it. We chose to look at it from his perspective. What is it that he's thinking? What is it that he's feeling? And the NBA charged straight ahead and this kid played out his career. Last month, the NBA awarded $25 million to former players of the ABA, the American Basketball Association, a separate league that ran from 1967 to 1976. The NBA had a league begin called the ABA. 
the ones with the red, white, and blue ball. And so I played in that league for two years. And the guys that played in that league played extremely hard. They did what they could do to bring this league to fruition. But after 10 years, the league folded. And so you are left with 150 to about 200 players that if they weren't absorbed into the NBA, and four teams were, then what do these guys do? At a time when discrimination ran rampant and the NBA was still predominantly white, the ABA was where many black players were able to play professionally. After its demise, many of these athletes who were not picked up by the NBA left basketball. In recent years, it's come to light that many former ABA players have fallen into poverty and homelessness. After hearing this, NBA players, coaches, and personnel stepped up. They awarded those players in the ABA, and there will be 114 of them, which will receive at least now $11,000 a year. Not all the money in the world, but it's more than they had before this happened. Through that meeting, they got $25 million awarded. And that will make an incredible difference to these gentlemen. While this is one positive narrative, there's always room for change. Why did it take so long for these players to get compensated for the discrimination they faced back in the 60s? Scott says it's these conversations that move the needle forward. When you bring people to the table and you respect their position and they respect yours, you can arrive somewhere, you can get somewhere. And that's what I believe in the book that I wrote that's what I believe about the NBA. To find out more about Ray Scott, visit viewpointsradio.org. You can find his book, The NBA in Black and White, on Amazon.com or request copies to be stocked at your local bookstore. For more behind the scenes, check out Viewpoints Radio on Twitter and Facebook. This segment was written and produced by Grace Galanti. Our executive producer is Amira Zaveri. I'm Gary Price. Coming up, the classic American hoodie over a white tee and paired with some crisp blue denim jeans. The styles that never fade when Viewpoints returns. Can't believe this new $2 cheesy double beef burrito has all these kinds of cheese going on. Plus nacho cheese sauce. It's like they read my mind when they made this. Nah, they couldn't have read your mind because it also comes in spicy. So they must have read my mind. Are you really getting competitive over whose mind Taco Bell is reading? Maybe. Try Taco Bell's new $2 cheesy double beef burritos. Burritos with a three cheese blend, nacho cheese sauce, and double the seasoned beef in classic and spicy. At participating stores for a limited time while supplies last. Price and participation vary. Tax extra. Double the seasoned beef as compared to beefy milk burrito. Nobody protects you from mayhem like Allstate. I'm a speed bump. Did you hear what I said? I'm a speed bump. And if you have cut-rate car insurance, the cost to reattach your muffler could really be a bump in the road. So switch to Allstate, save money, and be better protected from mayhem, like me. Based on coverage and limits selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. In most states, prices vary based on how you buy. Allstate Bar and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois. Venture X from Capital One is the travel card for people always asking, Where next? You earn 10x miles on hotels and rental cars and 5x miles on flights booked through Capital One Travel and 2x miles on everything else you buy with Venture X. Plus, receive premium travel benefits like access to over 1,300 airport lounges. 
the Venture X card from Capital One. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details. At Charmin, we heard you shouldn't talk about going to the bathroom in public, so we decided to sing about it. I love my Charmin Super Mega Golden Sure. Charmin's Super Mega Roll is six regular rolls in one. Enjoy the go with Charmin. Each season, new fashions hit the runway, and variations of these pieces quickly work their way into the social media scene, pushing people to buy the newest trend. It's a vicious cycle of consumerism, as many of these styles are short-lived and lose steam in a matter of months. But within this cycle, there are some designs that have withstood the test of time. From trench coats to stiletto heels, these long-lasting styles are found in millions of people's closets. So how did these pieces manage to stay in the limelight for so long? And why are some fashion crazes, on the other hand, so short-lived? I would say that the sort of cycle of trends has definitely sped up quite a lot over kind of like the last 10 years. I mean, I guess with the rise of digital culture and how everything is very much very immediate now, whereas maybe sort of 20 years ago, trends were slower because they came from the catwalk or the street and they sort of dripped down to what most people wore. In her book, Cochrane shares the long history of certain clothing pieces and how they've managed to stay in style over the decades. The fashion industry is ruthless, with a style in one season and out the next. Currently, there's a resurgence in several trends from the 80s and 90s, like narrow sunglasses, barely there tops, and wild prints. But who knows what next summer will bring? While the industry is a revolving door, there are some pieces that manage to never fade. One of these is the classic LBD, or little black dress. This style came into the limelight thanks to Coco Chanel in 1926. The little black dress before, or black dresses in general, before she kind of put them in one of her collections, were seen, they had lots of different connotations. They were, as we still see them now, they were part of mourning, but also particularly in the States, I think, they were seen as very dowdy because they were kind of essentially the uniform for shop girls, so for sort of young working-class women. And Chanel sort of noticed this very sort of austere dress. I think she saw them as part, which we still have today, they're as part of what maids wore in hotels. And so she, she always has had an eye for kind of taking something and giving it a kind of high fashion makeover, basically. Although radical at the time, the style of the little black dress quickly became a staple in fashion. It's a very diverse item, even if at the base of it, it's quite simple. So you can have them in all sorts of different like shapes, sizes, lengths, you know, styles. So, I mean, I must have about 10 little black dresses and they're all kind of hugely different. Cochrane notes that the versatility of this style was seen in older advertisements and films. Take Audrey Hepburn in Breakfast at Tiffany's, for instance. Hepburn is elegant and chic, wearing a classic black dress and oversized pearl necklace as she nibbles on a croissant and coffee. This portrayal in the film only furthered the popularity of the dress for decades to come. 
Even today, the LBD is a key feature in many modern wardrobes. And that's the beauty of the piece. It's easily adaptable. I talk about in the book about how you could actually have a kind of wardrobe of little black dresses because the same little black dress doesn't work for different occasions. So you might have one that you wear to go out for a night or you might have one that is kind of a good kind of fail safe for a kind of difficult day at work. They have a kind of forever appeal, I think. In addition to high fashion, other producers within the industry created more casual pieces that left a similar lasting impact. These items, such as jeans and a white t-shirt, have been around for centuries. For example, take the introduction of the classic tee. The sort of roots of the white t-shirt are kind of in underwear. So there have been kind of t-shaped clothing from the medieval times that people would wear underneath their clothes to kind of as a sort of hygiene thing. So they didn't have to um, wash the kind of ornate items they wore over the top. And as time went on, those T-shirts became kind of something more like we would recognise. The first kind of fashion moment for them was in the 50s when they became a kind of favoured item of kind of young men, a sort of new generation of young male teenagers who saw them on their kind of icons like Sidney Poitier and Marlon Brando and James Dean. And because, again, they have a kind of subversiveness at that time because for their parents, for those kids' parents, that white T-shirt would have been seen as underwear. So for them to wear it out the house sort of by itself would have kind of raised eyebrows, which no doubt they were keen to do. And today, it's evolved past the blank canvas. Some people wear white T-shirts with slogans and artwork as a way to communicate a message they believe in or live by. You can just wear a blank one, or you can sort of wear one with exactly like a political statement on it or the logo of your favourite band. And what that does is it's very much the sort of the most like direct way that fashion tells sort of passers-by what you're interested in, who you are. I think all clothes do that all the time, but T-shirts with statements is the kind of most like direct way to do that. And people often pair their T-shirts with their favorite jeans. Did you know that the first pair was invented in 1873 by Levi Strauss and Company? They were originally created as durable pants for working men. However, Cochrane says that the T-shirt and jean look became a larger part of fashion culture in the 50s, when younger people started wearing them and never stopped. They're sort of just part of our sort of societal trends as much as kind of fashion trends. And I think as time went on, they just became so popular. And as people got older, they didn't stop wearing them. So it's a sort of something that people wear throughout their life. My dad, who's 73, still wears Levi's 501s, for example. They've just been taken up by generation after generation after generation, and everyone wears them. They say that on a given day, half the world's population is wearing jeans. Although there have been different iterations of the classic jean over the decades, Cochrane says the design has stayed relatively the same. Some styles of Levi's are virtually identical to the originals from the 1880s. It's very striking as to how similar. I don't think they've got like a pair from 1873, which is when they were first painted it, but from like the 1880s, I think is the oldest one they've got. And if you see a picture of them, they look so similar to what we wear now. What's interesting, I guess, is that they were sort of a design classic from the get-go. Jeans, t-shirts, and little black dresses are only three of the ten trends Cochrane explores in her book. She also touches on the first champion hoodie made in the 1930s 
and the rise of the scandalous miniskirt in the 1960s. Each timeless piece within this collection is unique and has managed to stay constant as American style evolves. To learn more about the history of fashion and our guest, Lauren Cochran, read her book, The Ten, How and Why We Wear the Fashion Classics. You can also find more information and archives of past shows at viewpointsradio.org. This segment originally aired in August 2021 and was written by associate producer Bridget Killian. Our executive producer is Amira Saveri. Studio production by Jason Dickey. I'm Marty Peterson. Viewpoints returns in just a moment. The biannual blowout is just a week away, and we've got a lot of work to do. Keenan's Rug Emporium is rolling out a Labor Day bonanza. He needs 10 new sales associates as the crowds loom large. Can someone run a stock check on all the Moroccan 8x10s? Indeed can help him hire great people fast. I need Indeed. Indeed you do. We instantly connect you with quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description. Visit Indeed.com credit and get $75 towards your first sponsored job. Terms and conditions apply. This is a Reese's Peanut Butter Cup sound experiment. We're looking to find the perfect way to hear Reese's so you'll buy more of them. Here we go. Reese's. 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 Hey, get out of here, you little stinker. Reese's. 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 Peanut Butter Cups. That, that breathy one sounded very creepy, am I right? This is Viewpoints Explained. I'm Ebony McMorris. Millions of students are heading back to the classroom this month. With this change comes a new routine of waking up early, getting to school, and finding a seat all before the bell rings. While the U.S. student population is more diverse than ever before, the average U.S. classroom tells a different story. A report released last month by the U.S. Government Accountability Office analyzed America's K-12 public school student population. Looking at the 2020 through 2021 school year, the study found that more than a third of all students attended schools where 75% or more of the population was a single race or ethnicity. The report also found that new school districts that left existing districts were wealthier and had higher percentages of white and Asian students than the districts they came from. Drawing more inclusive district boundaries is critical to forming a student body that's both racially and socioeconomically diverse. Another challenge is that public education is in part funded by local property tax revenues. This means that schools in lower-income communities commonly have less resources and perform worse than wealthier areas. This disproportionately affects Black and Hispanic populations, leading to lifelong disparities. Education is key, and every student should have access to a school that sets them up for success. And that's Viewpoints Explained for this week. I'm Ebony McMorris. Welcome to Culture Crash, where we examine what's new and old in entertainment. Social media platforms are always evolving, adding new features and redesigning their user experiences. These apps have become primary sources of entertainment and connection for millions of people, so the stakes are very high and the transitions are not always so smooth. 
Back in the 2000s, Facebook updates would cause uproars and then be quickly forgotten. So these types of situations are definitely fluid. But there are certain updates that can cost apps their popularity. And recent moves out of Instagram have many observers wondering what its role in its users' lives will look like in the future. Recently, Instagram tested a new screen experience where each post would be full screen and an emphasis would be placed on videos. By default, this sort of made Instagram, an iconic social media platform in its own right, into something of a TikTok knockoff. Instagram itself has seen its own features ripped off by other platforms, but in this case, it quickly became apparent to its users that this test update fundamentally changed the app at its core. In its inception, Instagram carved out a niche for itself as a place for social media updates that revolved around photos. Instagram popularized a lot of the photo filters we now take for granted, and it's done a good job of evolving but always retaining that at its core. It's a place for social media photo updates. It incorporated video and pioneered the stories feature, but it still supported still photography as its default post type. By shifting to a video-first format, Instagram would be fundamentally changing its identity, and not in a way many of its users seem to want the app's identity to change. TikTok already exists for short video content. YouTube already exists for longer video content, and Twitter is text-first, while Instagram is image-first and not in a way many of its users seem to want the app's identity to change. You see, TikTok already exists for short video content. YouTube is there for longer video content. Twitter is text first and Instagram is image first. Changing that formula simply throws off the balance. If Instagram doesn't course correct and default back to being a powerful showcase for the still image, then it should be prepared to have a tumultuous road ahead of it. Because I'm not so sure that's what its users are asking for. I'm Evan Rook. There's nothing like the smell of grandma's cooking, especially when it's coming from your new kitchen in your new home. When you're ready, Rocket Mortgage can help with loan options to fit your needs, some with as little as 3% down to help you get into your new home and kitchen. Then you can let grandma break it in. So when it's time to buy that house and make it home, Rocket can. For more information, call 888-900-0409 or visit rocketmortgage.com. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender licensed in all 50 states. NMLSConsumerAccess.org, number 3030. I love my hardware floors, but I wasn't sure how to take care of them. Carrying around a bucket was such a hassle. And even worse, my string mop left streaks and haze behind. Then I found Swiffer WetJet Wood, the all-in-one tool made specially for wood floors. Its microfiber-like pad is soft, and it sprays a light mist solution that dries fast. With Swiffer WetJet Wood, it's easy to keep up with the mess on my wood floors. <sighs> Even that mess. Swiffer WetJet Wood, proud member of the National Wood Floor Association. And that's Viewpoints for this week. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram to learn more about upcoming shows and find a library of past programs on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify. Plus, you'll always find previous segments and more information about our guests at viewpointsradio.org. Join us again next week for another edition of Viewpoints. Viewpoints.